possible that this room is filled with the possibilities of God? Can you feel that? If you have ears to hear, then listen. You might just have an unexpected emancipatory epiphany as you suddenly remember what real living is all about. And you may just sense an upsurge of radical empowerment and feel a strange sense of wonder creeping back into your life. Mark chapter number 6. Travis, are you going to go speak to those people in the back that are making noise? Yes. As an old person, I appreciate that. Immediately, this is Mark 6, 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about he was about to pass by them but when they saw him walking on the lake they thought he was a ghost they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then 
He climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. Mark, the author of the book of Mark, paints a very stark picture in one phrase in verse 47. If you allow your imaginations to grab a hold of these few words, they'll paint not only a graphic picture, but you'll sense some intense emotion. Listen to these words. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. Simple, simple sentence, sentence. but there's such intense emotion. There's a sense of separation. The tension of being separated. It's late in the night. It's dark. The boat is in the middle of the lake. And Jesus is alone on the land. Separation. The disciples are separated from Jesus. The disciples are separated from safety. Every single human being at some point experiences that sense of separation. Separation from good. You feel surrounded by evil. Separated from safety. You feel surrounded by danger. And even separated from Jesus, you feel like you can't find him or he can't find you. The scripture here says these powerful words. It says, he saw the disciples. He saw the disciples. First of all, I'd like to uh, say this is amazing that he saw the disciples because... First of all, he sees them in the middle of the sea. Now, of course, when you read that text, you don't know automatically the geography or the oceanography more, more accurately of, uh, of what's going on here. But the lake is um, seven miles wide.
The disciples are in the middle of the lake. Jesus sees the disciples in the middle of the lake. His miraculous penetrating gaze is able to see three and a half miles. Distance. Into the mind of the human, into the mind of even the Christ follower, creeps this thought, this, this story we tell ourselves, this doubt-filled story that says, I'm too far from God. He can't see me. He can't find me. And yet, Jesus, in the story, sees miraculously three or four miles. I mean, the only place in the world where you can see someone three or four miles away is Saskatchewan. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Can you imagine how these disciples sent and the irony of this moment? They've been sent by Jesus, but now seemingly beyond his reach. Some of you have been sent by Jesus to do things. Some of you live in a town or attend a school or work in a certain job that you thought that God asked you to do that, go there, work there. And now you feel like he doesn't see you anymore. Somehow he's forgotten you. May I encourage you that though you may run into danger by Christ's command, he will ultimately save you. This story tells us that. That there is no distance too far. So somebody in this room believes they are too far from God. This story speaks to you. God's miraculous eyes have found you. He knows your address. He knows where you are. The second part of the miraculous sight of Christ in the story is that he doesn't just see through the distance. He sees through the darkness. Okay, on a very clear, sunny day, 
three miles, four miles in Saskatchewan, yes, it's possible. But here we are told in verse 47 that it's late at night, in the dark. He saw through the darkness. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. In this room, there are those of you who have believed a story. A doubt-filled story that says, I'm hidden from God. My problems are unseen by God. The darkness around me is too great. I am swallowed up by darkness. He can't find me. He can't see me. He can't help me. And this story speaks, this story in our text in the book of Mark speaks to that doubt that has crept into your mind that somehow God has lost you. The night time was divided in, in these days and these times in the scriptures. The night time was divided into four watches. The four watches of the night. Starting at 6 p.m. Ending at 6 a.m. In the story, the climax of the story, the, the great rescue moment of the story takes place during the last watch just before dawn. Have you heard that saying? Have you heard that saying? It's always darkest before the... No, so only a few of you have heard it. It may only be a southern Alberta a saying. But let me introduce you to it, Northern Alberta. There's this really neat saying. It goes like this. It's really cool. It's always darkest before the dawn. I think it'll catch on. I think it'll catch on. Some of you feel like you're in the darkest moment of your life. You feel, you feel like, like you've been, you, you feel, feel like, like the, the night, night has, has swallowed you. you. There would be sociologists and theologians and leaders who would say over the church in Canada and say, this is the darkest it's ever been in Canadian culture. Decline, church is closing. Young people leaving the church by the thousands. 
they would say it's dark. Some would say the darkest. But in this story, at the darkest moment in the disciples' experience, Jesus is still able to see them. The third thing that Jesus sees, he sees across the distance and through the darkness, and look at what he sees. He he sees the disciples straining at the oars. So he sees difficulty. He sees his disciples in difficulty. Straining! 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 About two years ago, I decided I was going to start doing push-ups every day. When I hit 17, I had an aneurysm. Not literally, but pretty much. I remember 16 and a half trying to get up to that 17th push-up. My nose started to bleed. It's that moment, it's that moment, you're straining when it's that moment when your arms are about to give out. When you can't just get that last effort to finish that push-up or to finish that race or to get to the end of those reps in the workout. It's that moment, it's that straining. It's actually a very powerful Greek word. It's, it's translated in other places in scripture and in Greek literature. It's translated torture. The disciples literally are being tortured in the rowing. Tortured in the rowing. They are making torturous progress. In other places in Greek literature, that word for straining is translated as tribulation and even martyrdom. He sees his disciples being tortured as they're trying to make progress. They're trying to obey Christ's command to go to the other side of the lake. And they are being tortured in the rowing. The scripture says that the wind was against them. I know there's at least three people here who can relate to this. You choose to follow the will of God, the promise of God. You choose to obey him. And the moment you choose to obey him, it seems like everything, everything, everything is contrary to what you're trying to do. The opposite direction of where you're trying to go, circumstances and situations are pushing you back and you're trying to make progress, but you're straining. You're at 16 and a half push-ups and you're thinking, I'm not going to make it, I'm going to collapse and my nose is bleeding. And Jesus sees this. He sees that they're straining at the oars. 
and he sees through the darkness across three or four miles. He sees. He cares. And just when all hope seems lost, just as their arms are about to give up and their bodies collapse in exhaustion, and just as night and darkness begins to loosen its grip, just as the sun begins to rise on the horizon, Jesus comes striding across the foaming sea, not just, not just walking on water, but walking on the storm in the dark for three or four miles. Can you dig it? Can you see it? Can you feel it? And this text simply tells us so powerfully that Jesus reaches out to people where they are. He sees people in their predicament and he comes to them. He sees you in your darkness and in your difficulty and he is coming to rescue you. What I love about this story is that Jesus doesn't stand on the shore and shout instructions. Hey! Move the thing! The thing! Move the You're doing it wrong! Move the thing! Turn the thing! You're doing it! Hey! What are you doing? I... We all have people in our lives who love to shout instructions at us from a distance. However, Jesus is not like that. He gets into their trouble. He gets into their water. He gets into their storm. And he gets into their boat. He gets into their mess. Jesus is not just some teacher who shouts instructions from the safety of the shore. Jesus gets into the middle of your danger with you. He is that one who comes alongside of you. And nothing can stop him. Not even the threatening waters of death can stop the compassion of Jesus. No distance or darkness or difficulty can keep God from seeing you. You are not out of his sight and you are not out of his care. Who shall separate us? From the love of God. Who shall separate us. From the love of Christ. Trouble. Hardship. Persecution. Famine. Nakedness. 
Danger? Sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. crazy moment in the story is this, that as Jesus arrives in the vicinity, yes, you heard me correctly, I said vicinity of the boat, he begins to pass them by. Seems very odd to go through all that trouble. Seeing them through the distance in the darkness, traveling three or four miles just to walk by them. The disciples, they miss, they don't, they, they're dull. They are dull. They scream. Ah! I'm sure at least one or two of them wet, them, wet, wet themselves. I'm sure, I'm sure they, they thought they saw a ghost. They wet themselves. Actually, I'm having a memory, memory right now of, yeah, okay, not, another, not a different memory right now <laughs> where I was telling a similar story and was being silly and said that they wet, they wet themselves. And that particular night I was speaking, there was a deaf interpreter who was, uh, well, no, not a deaf interpreter. <laughs> An interpreter for the deaf. Because if it was a deaf interpreter, <laughs> then someone would have to like, do sign to the interpreter. And then the interpreter would repeat the signs. And that would totally be redundant. So it, it would be more correct for me to say an interpreter for the deaf. And as I said they wet themselves, I saw movement from the interpreter for the deaf. But because I was focused on my audience, I didn't fully see what she did. So I said it again. <laughs> and I watched. And I learned that the international sign for wedding oneself is this.
Now you know. They're screaming. They think it's a ghost. They're urinating themselves. That's not in the story. I'm making that part up. And Jesus is passing by. Passing by. It might be a mystery that we would never solve as to why Jesus was passing by the boat, except when we look at his words. He says these words. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. That middle statement is the interesting one. Take courage. Don't be afraid. But that middle statement uh, is two Greek words. Ego, amy. Which is translated, I am. Take courage. I am. Don't be afraid. And in my biblical memory, I scroll back to another moment when God passed by a man named Moses. And he said, I am. And the glory of God was revealed to Moses. And in the text, in the story, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is passing by his disciples saying the words, I am. And is revealing to us that the one who comes to rescue us in the distance, in the darkness, and in the difficulty is none other than I am the glorious God made flesh, the Christ, the King. If there is any doubt about who is coming to find you in your difficulty, let the doubt be removed that the I am, the ancient of days, the glorious king of heaven and earth is the one who is coming to rescue you. Can you dig it? What does this story have to do with revival? Because when Travis called me, he said, uh, we want to have some focus on uh, revival. Revival happens now. 
when we shift our perspective in the story. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who are who are you? Who are you in the story? Hey, who are you in the story? I've heard this story preached, I don't know, hundreds of times. And every time I've heard it preached and every time I've listened to this story... I've heard it preached like I just preached so brilliantly over the last 30 minutes. I connect in this story. I am one of the disciples. Lost, drowning, afraid, dull, not recognizing Jesus, peeing in my own pants, a victim. That's who I connect to in the story. Who are we to be like in this story? Are we to be like the disciples in the sinking ship filled with fear, not recognizing Jesus, victims that need to be rescued? Or is the model in this story, is the example in this story, the Son of God? Are we to be huddling?